0: What is going on, everybody? This is Buster Caballero. I'm your host for the Good Old Boy Podcast. Good Old Boy is talking about whatever we want to talk about, whatever interests us. If you're new, thanks for tuning in. If you're a turning listener, thanks for coming back. If there's something you want to hear about or a good old boy that maybe we should hear from, drop us a line. Let us know. We're always interested in hearing from y'all. Now, let's get to the show. What is going on, everybody? This is Buster Caballero, your host for the Good Old Boy Podcast. I want to welcome y'all back. If this is your first time listening, thank you for tuning in. If this is your returning listen, thanks for coming back. Appreciate the appreciate uh, the support. So, what is this show all about? Well, as my wife told me, this show is about a champion of the common man, of the regular guy, the Good Old Boys. The guys that know more than a lot of people actually know and have wisdom way beyond their knowledge. So, this show is here to exploit and bring that knowledge to the masses. We're going to be interviewing everybody from carpenters to plumbers to hunters to, <laughs> I think we've got a few very special people lined up for this show. So, that's going to be coming up. This show today, though, is a real special one for me. Guy that I interviewed is unlike anyone you will ever meet. This gentleman has spent for over forty-five years in the oil and gas industry, and he has done it for one of the best companies out there. Now, if you worked in oil and gas and you've heard of a tube fitting before, then you know the first name that comes to mind, and that is SwageLock, the best tube fitting manufacturer. Out there, worldwide and local. My guest today is Gary Welburn. Gary has spent over forty-five years in the tube fitting industry, starting off as an inside sales to outside sales to business manager to distributor owner to sales manager. He has done it all, and if you actually catch Gary, he's actually been the janitor a few days in a row, and that what makes this show. And this person, all about, that's what it's all about, guys. People like this who are, you know, the top of their game, but still willing to wipe down the counters in the men's restroom, as I call it, the Welburn wipe, when cleaning up. Always happy to be there. Service, service, service is what he's all about. So if you're in sales, if you're in the service industry, or if you're one of these things, take a listen. Take some notes. Share this with your people. At the end, he's going to give his best all-time advice for success in any kind of sales and service industry, and I promise you, it's going to blow your mind because it's not what you think. So, without ado or hesitation, here's to our show. Here we go. All right, we're recording, Gary. So, Gary Wilbur, over forty years wedge experience. Yes, sir. Tell me about it. Well. First of all, where'd you grow up? Where'd you come from schooling before Swedgelock? What's the 60 second commercial?
1: Well, a lot of people don't know, but I'm originally a Houstonian. I was born in Herman Hospital, Houston, Texas, but grew up in Conroe. I was a problem child from day one, so my mother had to go to Herman Hospital to have me delivered. <laughs> and, uh,
0: grew what kind up of problems? <laughs> <Right
1: away. laughs> well, you know, just a big old, big old tall boy was scooting down the hall.
0: You're a big you are a big old guy. <laughs>
1: and uh I guess I was about this big in junior high. <laughs> and uh so grew up in Conroe, uh all the way through elementary, you know, junior high uh college or high school. Uh decided uh had an opportunity to play some football over at Lamar, signed a football scholarship, thought I wanted to play football, but after having a bad back my whole junior senior season I decided, huh, I'd probably last one practice. So I decided to go with one of my buddies, go to A&M. So figured, hey, I'd get over here and figure something
0: out. College Station's not a bad place. Not a bad place. <laughs> All right, Gary, so you end up in College Station, right? Turned into an
1: Aggie. Grew up a Longhorn and turned into a Texas A&M gig 'em Aggie.
0: How'd your parents take that?
1: <laughs> oh, they loved it. They loved it. I was pretty close. Uh, hey, good old Texas College. A&M was one of their, one of their favorites.
0: Class of what?
1: Class 75. 75. Graduated high school in 71, Conroe, and uh, four years at A&M, Class 75. Uh, business uh, management and marketing background, and I uh, wanted to get into industrial sales.
0: Right. So how did you find Switch?
1: Well, kind of interesting. I, uh, I, I saw an ad in the newspaper, oh, Houston Post, I believe. Search Consultants was uh, the personnel company. They were looking for a computer salesperson. I said, well, by God, I don't like them, but you know what? I could probably sell them. <laughs> so I got an interview with them down by the Galleria, night to summer of 75. I got down there, and uh, they had already filled that position. So they had a position set up with Wheeling-Pittsburgh Steel across the street there at the Galleria. Uh, a little later that morning, I went on that interview, and I uh, liked it, but they were looking for someone in southwest United States. And I said, uh, I went back and I saw Mr. Ed Zemont. He worked, I didn't know, but he worked for his son an older gentleman, I said, Mr. Zamont, I'm looking for Houston, Texas area. I'm a Conroe boy born in Houston, and I was looking for a job in the Houston area. And he uh, said, hold on just a minute. He called Fred Brunk over at Thomas A. Reed. Fred had just become sales manager. And lo and behold, they were looking, so we set up an interview that afternoon. So that was my first uh, connection with Swagelock, uh, interviewed by Fred Brunk that afternoon. With Thomas A. Reed, drove over there, and it looked like a little funeral home over there. I wasn't real sure I wanted to go in. (laughs) You know, once you check in those places,
0: sometimes you don't check out. (laughs) I think you survived that.
1: Uh (laughs) So uh, a week later, I went ahead and did the the testing, you know, sales aptitude testing, mechanical aptitude testing.
0: Did you and have to talk to the psychiatrist, too? Well,
1: no, didn't have to. No, they, they actually ran the test back in those days. It took about a week. Then I got a call from Bob Falk. Bob was the other sales manager. They had a kind of a co-sales manager after Bob Aldridge had left. And uh, so went to, went to visit Bob, and he invited Pat to come. So she got to see a tour of Lock and find out what a back ferrule and a front ferrule was. Now and
0: uh, I, I've heard, I think you've told me this story. How did you research what Lock was?
1: Well, I went to the library, and all you could see were the names SwageLock, you know, Whitey, NewPro, John, and Trick. I literally actually called some uh, friends' dads that worked at Exxon up in Conroe at the oil fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Tommy Chirac, uh Mr. Jack Tullis, and some of those folks, and they told me, man, SwageLock was the best. So I knew it was a good product. Um, one of my uh, Aggie buddies had uh, done an intern at Lubrication Systems. And um, his wife worked with Pat one year up at the bank, in Bryan. and Brian, uh, and Charlie Aylert, Charlie said, "Hey man, we do lubrication systems in the steel mills, and they'd use nothing but swage lock, It's the best." So I felt real confident it was a great product, but still didn't know a whole lot. Back in 1975, you couldn't Google anything.
0: <laughs> uh, so you got on, you got hard. Junior salesman, salesman, technical advisor, just...
1: Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, you know, uh, when I started out, it was $700 salary. Oh, <laughs> a
0: year? A month. Okay.
1: Because <laughs> I understand, things did cost a lot. Of money. Hey, but a $400 <laughs> car last once you got outside. So mm-hmm. I was hired to be inside sales for maybe a year or mm-hmm. longer. And it worked out. Uh, one of the fellows that had come to Houston playing with the old World Football League back in 73, the Houston texans actually was uh, for the gamblers um he had been with swage lock for about three years and been outside in northwest west houston and decided to move back home to asbury park new jersey where his family's from they have summer camp uh health club facilities and uh day camp and summer camps for kids mm-hmm. and he moved back with his family opened up a territory for me so after nine months inside sales i was ready for outside ready and to- uh, now I thought I was ready, but it uh, it took me a while to get an adjustment.
0: And I know when I started six years ago, it was a set of DVDs. I think two years before that, it was a set of VHS tapes. What, what was the onboarding process like for that?
1: Well, we had catalog tube fitters manual, and we actually had program learning course that there was some of these little video cartridges that you mm-hmm. could plug in this machine. And uh, you had a study book, and you had the little red plastic. So you'd take the test, and you'd study, oh, it and you'd see what the answer was. I remember
0: those. In and then you would
1: school. take the test. So if you had problems with the test, you had to redo that, <laughs> redo that chapter. Oh, yeah. Right.
0: Now, what but, what was in the catalog at that point?
1: Well, it, they had gone to five product company logo. Uh, it, so Swagelok, Lock, Whitey New Pro John and Snow Trick were on the uh, the catalog, which was about. Maybe about an inch and a half thick, Hmm. but it was primarily just broken down into fittings and valves. Uh, I think Quick Connects was in the middle, and and, uh, the one page FM hose front and back, two pages of hoses (laughs) that we could sell at that time.
0: And we uh, don't think we have options now.
1: Well, we didn't have a whole lot of new products, so every once in a while we would get a new product in. I remember when the 83 series ball valve came out, the CH series check valve came out, the R3A valve. Once a year, you might get a new product like that, maybe every two years. So uh, we did a lot of updating catalogs any way we could get in (laughs) to see customers.
0: That is so interesting, just the way that we're doing it. Where you know a new product comes out, we're we're ready to go, and we get an email about it. You know, we're hearing about it firsthand, and now we all had a. there must yeah. be some products rolling it, out left and right. It was it,
1: it was funny back in those days, you know they gave the catalog and they expected you know every CV, every flow coefficient, every orifice size, what the material was was what was available. Uh, so we did a lot of we did a lot of testing. We actually had sales meeting every other week, every other Monday night. And if you failed the test, then you were back there Monday the next following Monday doing a redo of the previous subject. So. Uh, it was uh, it was a yeah, pretty I'm still, good.
0: I'm still amazed how you know the, the width of certain nuts on fittings and the Orifice CV. Uh, I mean, they just drilled that into y'all back then. Like, oh, didn't have Google. Didn't hey, Google it.
1: S, M, and L series metering valve: small, medium, and large. baby. thirty-one thousand yeah. Orifice, fifty-five thousand, and one hundred
0: and twenty-five. <laughs> I couldn't spit
1: that out right. Huh? Oh, but we we also did a lot of testing during the uh, Christmas holidays. We would do a two-day sales meeting, and everybody had to demonstrate products. I remember I had Bettles valves. I had one hour, and um, goodness gracious. You know, after you talk Bettles valves for about 20 minutes, you start repeating yourself. After about 30 minutes, I said, Stop, you're saying the same thing over and over again. I said, Well, I got an hour to give. <laughs> <laughs> so by golly, I was going to take up. I did 30 minutes and ran out. <laughs> Oh, my, fir- hey, my first sales meeting at Christmas, I actually, it was the uh, Snow Trick coning tool demo, and also had 30 minutes to talk about FM metal flex hose, which lasted about five minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is a hose, it's metal lined, stainless steel overbraid, <laughs> different end connections? That's right, that's right. Did man. they have different end connections, or was it just tube fitting or a tube adapter? Hey,
1: you had you had swage lock ends, or you had a swage lock mail connector, swage lock tube fitting by mail pipe. That that's was it. it. You adapted from that.
0: No J I C, no female, no better. No no tube adapter either. So what was it like the first time you got out? You were inside for nine months, you get out, you call on your first customer. What was that like?
1: Well, it was uh I took it very seriously and uh I was very lucky that uh, uh, uh John the, the Mr. Reed was out of town and was out uh, was out over in Europe for about a month.
0: And now Mr. Reed, that is it, I, I went
1: to work, yes, sir. I he went to work. Directly under him, I right. went to work for the original Swagelock distributor, Tom Reed, Thomas A. Reed Company. Uh, Tom Reed founded the company; was original distributor in uh, Texas. I believe he started in 1952, the year before I was born, and um, basically heard a lot of good stories. Uh, he actually went out and sold during the day. He, he was from the Ohio area, mm-hmm. so uh, a lot of those World, World War II veterans got together. And quite a few of them, officers uh, from Air Force, Navy, Marines, you know, helped founded Swage Lock along with Mr. Lennon. You know, that started in 1947. And uh, Mr. Lennon surrounded himself with some really good, really good managers and good folks and good distributors. So when Tom Reed came down to Texas, he had all of Texas, a little bit of Louisiana, a little bit of Oklahoma.
0: That must have been an interesting conversation between Mr. Lennon and Mr. Reed. Thomas, uh, DA. You've got Texas and Louisiana. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Well, and, uh, and that's kind of how it went. So, I mean, that was, uh, I heard a lot of good stories. I mean, he sold during the day, uh, came back home at night and actually assembled the nut and ferrules on the fittings. So he had a lot of fitting bodies in stock and had nut and ferrules. So he actually did the assembly of it nuts and ferrules. Did not come pre-assembled? Did not like come pre-assembled, now? no. Was, uh, he, had, he had nuts and ferrules, so he assembled the nut and ferrules onto the fittings. And uh, he had basically his table, his desktop was a door on two sawhorses. <laughs> so I heard the story many times. He ate a lot of uh, bologna sandwiches with nickel beer. Oh, wow.
0: We can't do that today. No, nope, but uh,
1: <laughs> I, I could, I could imagine back in those days. But uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting story how how everything developed, you know, from Tom Reed, you know, throughout the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. With other distributorships down the road, it was all kind of rolled in from Tom.
0: So we're going to get to that. But so you to get back on on track. So you head out. You see your first customer. You're taking it serious. How'd it go?
1: Yeah, and I was lucky. Uh, John was able to former football player. He was able to work with me for about a month, and so we spent uh, we spent about three days a week uh, w- introducing me to my territory, which was west northwest Houston, and uh, that was a big big help. I remember giving my first demo, and I'd had it down, and I'd given it at the sales meeting, and uh, I still remember the customer out on Brickmore Road out in West Houston, a company called MSI. They're still around uh, until recently as far as lab installations, and he said, uh, "Gary wants to show you how a swage lock tube fitting works to the one of the mechanical foremen," and those wrenches were. You know, we're, we're shaking You're a little ringing bit, a bell? but I uh, got through the whole thing. And uh, Was it the Mr. Smith? It, I gave the regular Mr. Smith demo. I sure did. Yeah, did, yeah. You remember to have a paper clip? I had a paper clip, had the demo kit, and back in those days, we carried a big old black bag, and it had uh, six modules. You had uh, two fittings, you had pipe fittings, you had needle valves, ball valves, Cajon uh, vacuum products, and bellows valves and snow trick module. So you could easily load up about six of those along with a catalog, a three-ring binder under your hand. So you're carrying about a 40-pound package with you every call you made.
0: Okay, that's...
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> no computers. No computers. And <laughs> <laughs> you'll get on us
1: for... Uh, oh, Lord. It, 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 it was fun. It was fun, certainly when you uh, went with one of your sales managers and they were walking fast and you're behind them, so you mm-hmm. had to
0: keep up. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> Even today, that whole thing about you're walking into a customer and you've got your manager with you, and it's like, oh man, I gotta shine, and I, uh, I hope they don't say, where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> that had, that all that happened to me a few times,
1: but uh, <laughs> uh, it it was very interesting, and it, it was it was a lot of fun. But uh, it was, you uh, know, you know, you you had to use a telephone a lot, mm-hmm. and so uh, we wrote phone? up. Didn't have a cell phone then, no. Uh, Payphones. Payphones. So, I mean, we knew you knew where every payphone was in your territory. And, uh, oh goodness, that was 76 when I went outside. Somewhere around 77, 78, it went from a dime to 25 cents. I thought I was getting robbed. So, uh, you dropped, kept a lot of quarters in your car. And, you you know, boy, if someone was on your payphone, you just kind of pulled up and revved up your engine a little bit to try to get them <laughs> off the phone. Because you still had to make appointments and you still had to see people. Um, You know, as we, in those days, as you got to know your territory pretty well, um, you were able to, you know, know those customers that you could stop in, but you still had to make a lot of appointments. What was interesting is our call reports. We wrote our call reports up on a kind of a rectangle index card that you could have five different calls. So we would actually write those calls up. And, you know, you had last time you saw them, you'd look at the card. And then that way you could follow up. And uh, boy, when I was up at, on Texas A&M calling on campus, you know, I might have 25 or 50 cards on chemical engineering department. And you know, first floor, second floor, you know, third floor, fourth floor. And uh, you know, you call on a lot of graduate students and folks working on the PhD. Uh, they were a big account for us in those days. And uh, they probably made up about 25% of my, of my sales volume calling on all the different departments in those days but hey keep them in your back pocket or keep them in your little monthly jogger you mm-hmm. know you know where our little tally books are good but we had a monthly jogger you know with the calendar in it write it right. all down and put those index cards and kevin and take a look
0: what okay. still carrying that around laps huh? yeah you bet
1: you, i love them T- <laughs> tally books, tally books.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Two things in the back pocket, a tally book and a handkerchief, right? Yeah, you
1: got to have a pen. You know, you got to have a pen or pencil. Tom Reed caught one of our salesmen up here at the A&M show, and he didn't have a pen on him. He said, boy, <clears throat> how can you take an order if you don't have a pen or a pencil? Hmm. So, of course, today we got smartphones and all that stuff, and we can do we can do magic. That's
0: right. I can't imagine, you know, having to do that, and sometimes I catch myself without a pen. And I'm like, oh, I'll just take a note in my phone. Yeah, I had to be a little more prepared back in those days.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, you know, your, your cell, what, what was the best sale you ever made?
1: Oh, goodness. I, I that one that sticks yeah. out
0: and says, man, I, I killed that sale. Th- th- this is a real good one.
1: Uh, I picked up Bryan College Station area from Joe Staples about 78. So they gave me all the outlying area in the Bryan College Station area, Brenham, uh, all the way back over to Huntsville. They threw Conroe in because I grew up in Conroe, so they threw Conroe in as well. So I would make an A&M trip about once. About I'd make a, about every three to four weeks, I'd go take off and do a three-day trip. I'd head out to LaGrange, cut back to Rockdale, end up in Bryan College Station, work campus a day, day and a half, and work my way back the afternoon of the third day. And I had been, one of my counts inside 610 over there off of I-10 in Washington was Mustang Equipment. And they carried uh, started carrying some compressor packages and they were using uh, cheap Imperial fitting because that's what they had used for years, and uh, I started getting to use a little bit of swage lock.
0: Who, who were the competitors back then? Who, who are you yeah, selling against?
1: The, the the big you still had Imperial high seal for stainless steel fittings, which was a terrible fitting. The ferrule hung right at the end of the tubing, made a terrible seal, but it'd been around for years and years. You still had some flare fittings, but uh, Hoke gyre lock, you know, with their two ferrule fitting had been out for about 10 years, and then also Parker CPI had their single ferrule fitting that they said was equal to an interchangeable with us. And, again, uh, inferior fittings didn't, you know, leak rates. You know, we started doing Snoop leak tests probably about 1980 with the factory. But those were our biggest – those were probably our biggest competitors at that time. And this Mustang, Mustang Power, they were actually using an imperial fitting and I got into knowing uh, the, both the buyers and the, and the maintenance guy, the instrument guy, pretty good. And we started selling them some small orders of Swage Lock, Uh, you know, $1,500, $2,000, uh, maybe once every two weeks. Was that
0: a big sale back in the day?
1: It was a good sale. It, it, was, it was a good sale at those mm-hmm. you know times. My territory might have been a $200,000 territory, probably wasn't even $150,000 territory at the time. And so they kept I kept asking about stocking some fittings, stocking some fittings. They kept said, Yeah, we're gonna stock some fittings. This went on for this went on for a year. And I'm up in Bryan College Station and I could I, I used to try to call in collect, get my messages to find out if I needed to call somebody. We didn't you know we didn't have cell phones. And so I called in and they Was said Was it hey, a
0: Hey, it's Gary Uh, to see your name. after. Hey, it's Gary. Do I
1: have any messages? It it, it would say, (laughs) you know, there'd be a message, see Fred. Well, then I had to call back to get a hold of Fred Brock. He was Mm -hmm. my sales manager. So hopefully I could catch him when he was in. Or they'd write out a message, say, you need to call so-and-so. Well, I called in. uh, I'd been up on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It was uh, noon Friday. And I called the office, my collect call. Mr. Reed said only one collect call a day. (laughs) Because we're already
0: so, paying 25 cents on Yeah. <laughs> and
1: so, and this probably was about 81 at the time, 1981. And um, Maria Fowler, one of her inside office managers, she uh, got on the phone and she said, Gary, Gary, you got that big stock order with Mustang Power. I said, oh, man, I've been waiting for it for, you know, for almost a year, six months. I knew that they're going to place it. She said it was so big we had to do two orders. And I'm going, my goodness, two orders? She said the first order was for $60,000 and the second order for $25,000. <laughs> I said, oh, great. I've been waiting on that order to come in. <laughs> what did you think it was going to be? I thought maybe five $5,000, you know, $10,000. But what happened, they got all this money. It was at the end of their fiscal year. It was like September. Mm-hmm. And they had to spend money. And they just picked out every run tee, every branch tee, quarter, three eighths and half, every connector, every elbow, and ordered like a hundred to two hundred of everything. And she says, We've already shipped the first order on delivery service. I said, Well, I'll take it out of our car. No, we're shipping the other one out <laughs> Monday morning. So it was like what, sixty, seventy, eighty-five thousand dollars in tube fittings. That was that and, easy. I mean, whew, I was taking those boys out to lunch the next week and kind of interesting on part numbers because they had a new uh, warehouse man that came in and he wasn't familiar with our part numbers. So I got this call after taking the guys to lunch that day on Tuesday. They called back and said, man, our counts are off. we got too many one and not enough of the others. And sure enough, he just got confused looking at the 403 TTM and the 403, 4TTM and TTF. And
0: So I lined them all up and
1: I had a hallway lined up Keg boxes, and everything was there. Oh, good. So, but uh, that was a lot of fun.
0: That, that's always kind of hard when you make that big sale, and all of a sudden they call you and say, "Hey, we got a problem now." And it's like, "Oh, man, what's going?" On? <laughs> I'm gonna clear my calendar and get out there. Ah,
1: uh, it, it was fun. It was a little bit more than I thought, but uh they didn't use all those that year. So they had they had a few left over a few years down the road. But we yeah. we dealt with that down the road. <laughs>
0: cool. That's, that's just but good big
1: big orders in those days were you know uh, we did thousand dollar accounts, mm-hmm. so anybody that bought a thousand dollars the previous year, we always looked at them on a on a monthly and a quarterly basis to see where they were where they were for the year. Those figures were done manually as well. Our oh. monthly sales wow. figures were done manually. We actually got a green copy, we got a copy of the invoice, and you actually did your figures based on so you' take all of the your m w Kelloggs and put them one stack, Mustang power in one stack. You ABC, MSI in one stack, Texas A&M. Then I had a chemistry department, chemical engineering department, mechanical ocean drilling program. So it was fun. It'd take you a couple hours to do your sales figures every week, or mm-hmm. every month. All yeah.
0: Right, so how old are you at this point?
1: I'm 65. No, 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 no. Uh, when you're oh, selling right
0: there. At, at that time,
1: uh, yeah, I was uh, covering Bryan College Station in Conroe. was uh, I was uh, 25 years old. Married? Married, no children at that time. Uh, Sarah came along in 1980. Right. Yeah, changed their lives.
0: So yeah. wh- what was one of the things that, while well, you were a salesman, what was the best piece of advice you ever got? Oh, you know,
1: Fred Brunk and Joe Staples were my mentors. And, uh, you know, they were hard workers, very hard workers. And uh, I really, I just learned from them. And I think the main thing was, hey, do what you say you you know do what you say you're going to do and go do it, uh, and be consistent, and uh, be thorough, and follow up. And I think those things right there. We had a great product, you know, SwageLock today is still the same way, you know, same thing that what uh, probably the the best advice that I remember. This came from actually Mr. Lennon, and and that was. Went to my first senior sales meeting. I'd been in the field about six months. So Joe Staples gave me some applications for some analyzers, and I had some different meetings, and I got selected to give a, uh, a five-minute presentation for best valve and best fitting application. I got second place. I didn't win first. Uh, Louisiana boys got first place because he talked for 10 minutes. They didn't cut <laughs> him off. So I had mine in five minutes. Two slides on a valve, two slides on a fitting, one o'clock radio. (laughs) So uh, that you plugged in anyway. uh, But Mr. Lennon at that uh, meeting wrapped things up on that Friday. We went up Sunday and stayed up there all week, And I think Friday at lunch. I still remember Mr. Lennon talking and talking to us, you know, pretty serious conversation, giving us some really good advice. And I think the best thing that he said is, in those days, number one thing was kill the customer with kindness. And he followed that up with, he said, folks, he said, we've got the best product on the market. So performance, you know, performance and quality product is number one. Backing that up is with availability inventory. And he was a big believer in inventory. Uh, he had a, a whole warehouse full of bar stock that in case... In the early 70s, before I started, it was material shortages were terrible. People were quoting price of pipe and tubing on a daily market. You'd, you'd get a quote for the day, not for tomorrow, but for today. You couldn't get products. Mr. Lennon had products, and the reason why, he had a six-month supply of raw bar stock behind the Solon warehouse where he made them.
0: Didn't the accountants try and get him to sell some of it back?
1: They Somebody did, but, tried
0: to get him to hey, get rid of some of it. Being
1: privately owned, <laughs> he could do what he wanted to in those <laughs> days. He had already made it through the hard times, and so that material really gave lock uh, an edge up on our competition. We found out that our competition was buying our nuts and ferrules. So that's when Mr. Lennon changed our sales policy to sell to end users, mm-hmm. and that helped cut that out. But So, again, quality and performance of readily available product to his through his regional warehouses. So he had one in Canada, had one in Birmingham, New Jersey, Central Warehouse, and west out in uh, Reno. So today, you know, we've got Central Warehouse, mm-hmm. one in Canada also that we could bring products in. We had to pay those invoices in Canadian dollars, though. But um, so, again, uh, performance, availability of the product, and service, service, service to the customer. Make your customers your good friends. And that really paid off. That's
0: some good advice right there. Yeah. So, fast forward a little. You go from wh- what was between salesmen and North Houston? Were you business development uh, well, it, manager, sales manager? Yeah,
1: 1981, uh, sales were doing good. And, uh, you know, I always just learned do what you, you do what they ask you to do. Mr. Lennon was a pretty stickler on doing it the Swage Lock way. And so basically there's was one way, and that was the Swagelock way. And he had been quite successful, you know, doing it the Swagelock way all those years. And so, uh, you know, that's what I always copied. You know, I did the things. You know, go out and get new accounts, get new accounts. You know, hey, uh, sell new products, give demos. I gave a Mr. Smith demo just about every day. I found somebody that would take Mr. Smith demo one And then cold calls. I'd cold call the heck out of people. You'd stop by and see new businesses, cold call them, give them what Mr. Smith demo if you thought they had a valve fitting application. And one Christmas, I don't know, it might have been my third or fourth year there, all of a sudden Tom Reed's giving out these bonuses for most new accounts, for most demos, most cold calls, Maybe most increase in sales. Maybe my boy didn't win it for most increase in sales, but I won most demos, mm-hmm. most cold calls, most new accounts. <laughs> 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 it wasn't but two hundred dollars or two hundred fifty dollars, but man, hey. who Hey, my wife said, "Hand it to me at <laughs> <It's> the Christmas party." <laughs> and you but gave it, it to her, right? It was a lot of fun, but it was doing. It was really doing. You know what he taught me to do. Yeah. Uh, what Fred and Joe taught me to do. It was. Uh, it it worked out. It was. It's it's been a very successful. You know, so I started out as a salesman. And by 1981, uh, he made me an assistant sales manager for the North Branch Territory. We didn't have any customers, really very many, in the North Branch Territory.
0: (laughs) All that cold calling, though, that you do and everything, he said, hey, this guy will go get it. So the main thing, what I did, I started working with four or
1: five of our outside salesmen. And they were some on the north side of town, west side of town, even on the east side of town. I started calling on my first chemical plants on the east side of town, out I-10 around Sheldon Road, Penwalt and uh, Diamond Shamrock out there at that time with with a couple of ourselves. Had Anheuser-Busch, Anheuser-Busch Brewery. Mm-hmm. was very interesting. Um, we had lost that to a competitive account to, to lock but we won it back a few years later during a construction project. So it was a lot of fun. So I was really w- riding with salesmen uh, you know, about, about three days a week and calling on my accounts. So I basically... Uh, had key accounts, had about 15 key accounts at that time.
0: And what was your territory about at that point? Uh, you know, or I things? was running
1: about $400,000, something like that. Had some several research accounts, still had Texas A&M, and I uh, carried that through to uh, about 1988. Yeah. So? So from that standpoint, so that was 82, 83, 84. Well, uh, so Mr. Reed was looking at, uh, at that time when I went to work for him, he had main office off of Kirby and Richmond over off 59. That was Thomas A. Reed headquarters. We had an office in Baytown, Texas City, and Lake Jackson, and those were branch offices over there. And again, Tom's philosophy was get the product closer to the customer, build those relationships, and you increase your business. And that that had paid off. You know the history of the Texas we'll talk about later, but that had really paid off for him. So in 1984, we opened up a branch warehouse in West Houston, right. Beside Shell Research West Hollow, Hmm. one of our largest accounts. And it was picked, Joe and Tom picked a place right beside the Shell West Hollow Research. So Tom wanted us to find a place in in Spring, Texas. He wanted at least an acre land and he wanted to be in Spring, Texas. We had no customers in Spring, Texas, but we had a lot of customers south of us around the Greenspoint area, Hmm. north of us up in the woodlands in Conroe, east of us over in, uh, Humble, Kingwood area, and west of us, Tomball area, the Bryan College State. He just
0: wanted to be centrally located in between them. So he picked a,
1: you know, we started looking for places, and uh, we were looking at uh, big office buildings at one time on 1960, and thank the Lord, we moved out of that and went to the acre land. found a little brick veneer house up uh, just north of Old Town Spring. The house. The house with no garage, and... Uh, <laughs> made a little u-shaped driveway in it and uh we weren't there we moved in that october uh first of 1985 and uh we uh started building a 50 by 50 metal building about three months later and uh looked like a dance hall in that thing without the middle (laughs) middle the 50 by 50 and then uh, had that tie-in room in between and so uh when we first put our inventory up, we had a lot of boxes of binders and tube fitters manuals and empty boxes on the shelf that made it look like we had a lot of inventory. <laughs> we might have had $50,000 worth of inventory up there. But uh, again, customers, it was close to the customers and we started building that that customer base and uh, did a lot of will calls. We had a lot of will calls up there and helped a lot of customers through the years, yeah.
0: So does Mr. Reed come to you or does Mr. Lenin come to you and say, "Hey Gary, here you go."
1: Yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, we had price oil. We opened up the business up there in 1985, and at the end of 1986, we had a big panel shop over in Humble, Texas. Uh, offshore control systems. The guys spun off of Test. A couple of those guys later went on and formed. Uh, te, uh, w Industries. One of them was involved with W Industries, with Blue Water Maintenance. But um, the price of oil dropped about $6 a barrel. Mm-hmm. And uh, my big panel shop had sold out to uh, an English company, C.G. Austin. And they thought they wanted to get in the oil business. And when the price of oil went down to $6 a barrel, their maritime insurance to work offshore went from $75,000 a year to 225000 a year to have insurance for their employees to work offshore, they decided they wanted to be out of the get out of the oil business, so they closed up that shop March of uh, 1987, and that uh, really was our number one customer. Half of our business was right there, yeah. and so uh, Mr. Reed, we shut that office down. Steve started worked out of it and kept you know kept the door open occasionally, uh, used the telephone, and then as we opened that office up in '85, Mr. Reed was selling the Brazoria Valve and Fitting Office to to Jim Gorsuch at the end of the year. Well, in 86, Baytown and Texas City broke off and became independent distributors. Tom was already planning his retirement. In 1987, West Houston broke off, and they became uh, West Houston Valve and Fitting. And so I was working with Fred at the Houston office. We still had the office up in in, uh, spring. And I think Mr. Reed had decided, he thought he was going to get out, but then at the last minute he went back to his original plan and wanted to reopen the office in North Houston. And we started, we were Thomas A. Reed Company doing business as North Houston Valve and Fitting, and that was July 1st of 1988. Houston Center Fred Brunk took over July 1st of 88 and became Houston Center Valve and Fitting. And so Tom Reed, in a matter of about three years, went from the largest lock distributor to the smallest Swage Lock Distributor.
0: So he, so he kept North Houston. He reopened it up, and we
1: changed the name to North, North Houston. Houston Valve and Fitting. we Thomas distributor A. Reed Company with
0: his name on it.
1: Yeah, Thomas A. Reed Company doing business as North Houston Valve and Fitting to identify our, our service area. Now, and was that uh,
0: uh, his decision or corporate?
1: That was really it was his decision. Corporate allowed it because we're all in good standings with Swage Lock. He,
0: he knew what the, the area was. It's yeah, a, Mr. Lennon. He was alive at that point, right? Yeah, Mr. Lee He Linden, trusted him. He says, he, yeah. He
1: did. And it allowed Tom. Tom was going to stay in for two more years uh, before having that opportunity to become a distributor. And so, man, there was no way but go forward. First as myself, and then Mr. Reed was going to let Steve Sartor take off. He thought he wanted to go fly. But Steve was getting mm-hmm. out of flying, being his pilot, wanted to be a salesman. So luckily Steve stayed on as a salesman, and Carlos... Came from the Houston office, came up to North Houston. Uh, Maria was doing our computer work from the the, top, the Freddie Lennon Youth Camp up uh, close to Magnolia, which was cumbersome. But, uh, but we managed for about three or four months. And then uh, Tom allowed us to uh, hire an inside lady to help us uh, answer the phone. So we had two lines coming in on a Radio Shack <laughs> phone, push button line one, push button line two. Is the one that lit up. And then we had line three. We had a phone we make our outgoing calls. Uh, we have the light on it, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, that's how it happened. And then so I was actually at a um, – I did not know that Tom had decided to retire. After we we were up and going around October, July, uh, August, September were pretty good months for us, I think we were looking at uh, trying to plan about $750,000 for that territory for the year. And I think we ended up doing about $1.1 $1. 1 And so Tom saw sales were going up. And uh, I think he decided, working with corporate, that he was going to go ahead and retire at the end of the year. So Dave Smith was one of our senior VPs of sales. Uh, Dave called me out of a meeting. I was down there by the Houston Marriott, by the Astrodome. We had a big uh, ISA International show going on. And uh, Dave Smith pulled me out of that meeting and told me that Tom Reed was going to retire. And I said, Well, Dave, what are we gonna do? He said, Well you're gonna be the distributor. I said, Well, how am I gonna finance? He said, Tom Reed's gonna help you finance. <laughs> I said, Thank you, Lord. All right. <laughs> so it was uh it was a blessing that, that in the skies. Been... Oh man, it was a big day. It was a big day, it was. And didn't know how we we're gonna do it, but uh, hey, didn't look back, all we did was look forward.
0: Yeah, I saw you saw
1: yeah. do. Oh man, it, even nowadays. We're very lucky. Carlos and Steve up there, uh later Kim Houghton went to work for us and uh Hey, just grew a little bit by a little bit. Like Mr. Lennon always said, don't spend a nickel. Roll it back into the company. Roll it back in inventory. Roll it back into people. And it's been a uh, you know, wonderful business plan that he put together you know, back in 1947, 48, 49, with Joe Callahan, how to do that. And, you know, even uh, today, the, you know, the network through the distributorship works beautiful. Yeah, it's
0: a great program. Was Pat excited for you that day? You came she was said, excited. Well, baby,
1: she, I uh, got a new job. <laughs> yeah, she was excited. She didn't know how we were going to do it, but I, <laughs> she said, let's go, baby, let's go for it. She has been behind me 100%. I couldn't have ever done it without her. You uh, bet you, man. Awesome. Yeah, it was fun. And, and, hey, great folks. We've got great associates, always have. And, you know, the key thing is, uh, you know, we hire good people and you develop and work with good people and they stay with you and, you know, you work together as a team and that's that's really been our the secret to our success yeah
0: that's just so telling I I remember when I started and uh Scott was telling me he's like you're gonna love Gary you're gonna love Gary he's our salesman man. he's he's just the best he's the best And, and when I came in here and I noticed you know hey you were here I think it was 40 Well, I'm going on six years seven years so you you would have been 35 like 36 37 yeah. or yeah 38 and, and, or whatever and everyone else around me is like 20 year guys uh, sartor was almost 30 steve uh, wilborg john newell all these guys a long time yeah know, like, yeah something must be good here if these guys are around this long
1: well it, it means something you know so we all you know we all gradually grew together it, it wasn't an overnight thing we just kept plugging kept plugging yeah. and kept plugging and followed mr Lennon's advice you know that's the best advice i think that i've ever, ever gotten it's just hey work the plan and uh, you make the plan and work the plan and, and follow those guidelines. And it's always been a, you know, it's been a success.
0: Yeah. It's a testament, you know, from what we've all seen and done and gone forth. And, and you yeah. know, the, the products there, it's, you know, you have a high quality product, you know, I, I can, I consider it almost like going out there and trying to sell a Rolex or a Ferrari every day, you know, you're selling the best.
1: You you know, you don't have to back down from anything. No. Uh, You know, anytime something comes up, you know, somebody's not happy with something, they think it's our fault. It's always, you know, not an incident or a situation. It's an opportunity for us to get in front of them, find out what the facts are, and find out discover what happened. And, hey, nine times out of ten, it's something that happened. It's not our fault. And we take care of business, and we show them the right way and get it done. So – you what you do is you build relationships, stronger relationships, over and over and over again, and that multiplies, and that's people pass your name on. You know, I can't tell you how many times somebody so and so so and so told me to give you a call. You know, and that that means a, a lot. Reputation. You know, it's, it, reputation, and that's you know that's why SwageLock is always concerned about, you know, one SwageLock, and people look at us as one, even though we were factory and we were distributor, we always looked at we were always looked upon as one, just like we are today.
0: Yeah. So from where you started at, and where we are here right now, now it's it's completely different. We're we've got services, we're turning wrenches, we're selling tubing. You know this. You know, this is a jump that we've done in a span of forty years. What do you think happens in the next forty years?
1: Oh, it's it's. it's I think it's going to be more fun than ever. Uh, you know, that first twenty years. With SwageLock, we you know, we'd get a valve, a new valve, once a year, and goodness, you know, about 15, 20 years ago, I remember our Texas, Oklahoma salesman, Jack Spencer, pulled this little book out about who moved to cheese, and I think, and and that's about the time that Art, Bill Cosgrove, was wrapping up, was a great uh, CEO for SwageLock for 10 years, and as Art was coming in about 15, 18 years ago, whenever that was. Uh, boy, we read that book, and we all studied it and took a look at it, and it really changed our thinking. We, Some of us old guys were kind of stuck in our ways a little bit, but that who moved your cheese, and you start thinking about it, and, you know, things really opened the door. We got stainless steel tubing. We got PFA tubing. We got copper tubing. All of a sudden, we're getting pressure gauges. Then we get regulators, you know, uh, goodness gracious, transducers. Then we got we got FKO tube fittings. We got IPT cone and thread tube fittings. We got all these products at our fingertips. And guess what? Now we can put them together, and we can help our customers more. Wow! I mean, it's just been.
0: But you think it would have been that? Like if uh, when you were started selling, if you had had those opportunities there? I don't know what we would have done. You know, <laughs> hey, we'd, we'd have made it work. We'd have made it work. But uh, you know, Mr. Lennon was
1: Mr. Lennon was thousand fittings. And he was a big believer. Hey, let's make the fitting. Bread and butter. That's bread and butter. Hey, you know, there's so many different, you know, supply houses that carry tubing those days. And later, all of a sudden, you know, you started getting a lot of copy locks. You know, about 1984, you started seeing more and more of the Me Too fittings. I call them the Me Too because they say, yeah, Me Too, Me Too, Me Too. But they can't do. They don't perform like Swage Lock. They look like Swage Lock, but their tolerances are poor. Metallurgy is poor. They leak a whole, they leak a ton. And, um, you know, so we have to be on our toes. I always said the more the merrier. So last count, I think I there's about 108 out there right now that make that claim. So bring it on. Bring it 120, 130. Uh, bring it on because no one, has the, no one has the history of making two fittings and the know-how that Swagelok does. It's not only the tight tolerance, it's how we machine the metal. It's the metallurgy. It's so much more than just looking at a front ferrule and a back ferrule and a nut in a body. And that's just two things. But look at what we're doing today with the assembly. And I call it our fab shop, custom solutions. But fab shop, so many more ways that we can help the customer win today that it just makes it so much more fun. So, you know, you hear stories about, well, hey, you know, Swagelock is is a privately held company, you know, through the family. And uh, I think it's going to stay that way. You you never know, but I've heard different stories for 20 years. And you know what? I think it's going to continue. Uh, Art and you know the leadership program up at Swasey is going to continue running the program just like it is, and you know we got a bright, bright, bright future ahead of us.
0: So, been I mean going on this forty-five, forty minutes right now, but just to to kind of wrap something up. If there was something that you could pass on to anybody who is going to be joining Swasey, if they're going to be somebody who's working here already. Going to be joining us. What would you tell? Them? What would you want to pass on to, to our organization? Uh, anyone, the one swedge lock. If you can give that one piece throughout your forty-five years of experience,
1: it's easy to say, Buster. If you want to find a company that you want to grow with, that is a top. A plus quality company, and you want to represent one of the finest companies in the world, and you want to grow with that organization and grow with that company. I think we today we have more opportunities more than ever in all different areas of our, in every silo of our business. How they work together, uh, whether you want to start with inside sales, outside sales, warehouse, inventory control, custom solutions, managing projects. Look what Kevin's doing today you know, managing these projects, they're growing. And it's just it's just it's just fun and it's a, it's a great sight to see that we've got all of these opportunities and just look at the growth that we've had just this last year. You know, um, you know, Chris does a great job and Swagelock does a great job at looking at the future and where we're gonna be in five years from now. And we don't always hit that target, but you gotta have plans, you gotta have, you know, a plan on how you're gonna get there. And goodness gracious, more so today with all the services and the engineering, you know the training opportunities that we have, the workforce shortage. Steve Wilborg talks about that. I think all of our team, you know, echoes that out to our customers. And uh, today with our lunch and learn, you know, what do we hear? You know, again, you know, they're short-handed. They need more people, and you know they're doing more with less. So that's going to continue, and I think we just have a golden opportunity. To grow with SwageLock, so I'm I I tout it all the time, and uh, it uh, it's going to be some big big opportunities for our associates here. You bet.
0: Gary, I I think from everybody that's worked with you, that's just to say that, you know, one, thank you for all you've done.
1: Oh, hey thank me, Damn. thank you, thank thank all you guys because it's been you know it's it's been a it's been it's been a fun hey. You know, w- when you go to work and you're having fun, that's what it's all about. And telling those folks, and, and again, if you're not having fun, you need to go do something else. <laughs> but you got an opportunity to work with this company, how you run with it, and have fun. But it's been fun for me, and I know it's going to be fun for you guys and gals because there's lots and lots of opportunities, and uh, it's going to continue to roll.
0: Bust it wide open. We will. We will. You set a good foundation for us. Well,
1: uh, hey, it's been fun. I'm always here to help. And, you know, still got a few days left here and there, wherever I can help. So, uh, uh, and again, you can always call me at the house as well. I'm, right. I'm ready 24-7 anytime. Sounds
0: you better good. better believe
1: it. has been fun.
0: Gary, Great journey, you. and I
1: appreciate you guys.
0: We appreciate you too. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. That was my interview with Gary Wilburn. switch so a Powerful stuff for me. Uh, spending the last seven years working with Gary and getting to know him. Uh, as a mentor, as a friend, as a just prime example of what a good old boy should be. I want to thank everybody for listening today. If you like this, please, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play, and we're also on Spotify now. If you can, please go and subscribe. Leave us a rating. I'd appreciate it. And then if you can, Go and tell all your friends about it. Share this episode. Share our podcast. Share what you're doing. If you know a good old boy we should be talking to or there's a topic you want to hear, drop us a line. Let us know. Be glad to hear from y'all. Everyone, thanks. Have a great day. Appreciate all the support. Y'all be good out there. Say hi to your mama new.